Hello, and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I am the host, and I have David James Rodriguez here as a guest today. Welcome, David. So glad to have you. Hey, great to be back with you, Beth. Yeah, this is our second interview. How long has it been? Well, I'm just getting the Rockfin set up. I want to say it's been about a year, but I didn't really look at the dates, but it was just like yesterday. So, you know, so much is going on. It's time's flying. Yeah, it's a strange one. It's uh, like so much. Every time it was two years, I kept saying like, it has to be longer than that. So much has taken place in two years. Now it's now it's almost three years mm. since that uh, strange moment. I, I was actually at Anarchapulco in my first time presenting there. Yeah, and I got on the airplane on the way home and we were, you know, just before we left, we were hearing all of that stuff in China and I'm, oh, that'll never come to sleepy Manitoba where I live. And mm. um, then next thing you know, boom, there was masks on the on the plane. And a few weeks later, mm. they locked us down for mm. supposedly two weeks. And uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride ever since then. And uh, thank you. That flat fellow says I'm having the best guests ever and uh, welcome to Joseph Finnegan as well. Come and say hi in the chat. If you have questions for David, feel free to let me know. I can't promise to catch all of them, but uh, I will do my best. And there is a Rockfin stream going on. So if you for some reason prefer Rockfin to YouTube or Facebook, then you could jump over there on that link that's there in the chat. It might be only on YouTube, but... Uh, I don't know exactly. Anyway, I think we're good for that. And uh, David, I'm so glad to have you here. I have watched you from a little bit of a distance and just checked in periodically. And there was one moment like, oh, my God, David's in jail. And mm. I remember sending some support your way and some prayers. And obviously, you made it out of jail. But I know you had a major ordeal there. And that's not your whole life. I I see that you're very focused on solutions. And this is what the King Heroes Journey podcast is about. If you've never been part of this before, that's my preference. It, it's okay to talk about the problem a little bit, but I want to talk about the solution a lot yes. and things that'll inspire people, help them move forward. Uh, I know you're very interested in creating independence so that, or, you know, that uh, promoting independence so people stop. I assume relying on the B system so much and therefore become in the control of it. Mm. And uh, we're very interested to hear also about your adventures in law. I imagine that's been quite a learning curve. <laughs> Unbelievable to think this is where I am and have a little bit of law experience now. And um, yeah, the arrests were mainly because I was a right to travel activist and you know, exercising my right to travel. I'm not a commercial driver and some of these things. And, you know, when you hear these theories and such, you want to try them out. That's what I, my philosophy was. I'd rather have firsthand knowledge and firsthand experience. And so I was doing that for a few years. And then with the whole pandemic, they were closing the beaches and requiring you to wear this mask when you go shopping. So, you know, me and some of my friends got together and started exercising our freedoms because I discovered that my rights and my freedoms come from the creator or source or nature, my humanity or God. And it's a very important point that people remember that because we don't learn that in school. And many of you know, and some of you might not, but I'm a principal of a private school and I do early high school graduations for teenagers. I do homeschool consulting for parents and I'm director of the Gatto movement, which is an acronym 
inspired by John Taylor Ghetto, the famous school teacher, which means get all the thinkers out of forced schooling because I think we've seen enough in the last three years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in Ghetto's case. And even before that, uh, many people calling out the uh, atrocious things that are happening in school. And now it's, they're not even trying to mask it. They're openly teaching children. They can mutilate their genitals and become the other gender and uh, inject them with untested drugs. And so these things are all unacceptable at this point, in my opinion. And mothers, fathers, uncles, aunties, adults, even people without children, I think um, would benefit by getting into the game of at least speaking out what you truly feel. And as Martin Luther King said, when you stay silent about the things that matter, um, you're participated or you die and you lose the vitality of being a human. And I think life is beautiful. I think life is an amazing thing. And finally, the, the veil has been pulled back and we're able to see, hmm, seems like there's a small group of individuals who are controlling the financial game, the schools, the media, the medical associations and such. And I don't think the solution is going to be electing new politicians. I think we have to remember who we are. We are the kings, the queens in your case. And we got to start exercising our freedom rather than asking permission to be free. Because I think um, the next few years, we're going to see more trouble from the politicians and from the uh, state. So why not start having the conversation now about solutions? What can we do? The funny thing is that these predators, I don't call them elites. They are hyper wealthy predator psychopaths. And we send them peace and love and hopefully they turn, they repent from their ways and you know come back to humanity. Um, but they're in trouble because they've controlled the media for a long time. And now we can see who they, who, who they are. We know their names. And many people are coming out with courage, speaking their truth or uh, the truth as they see it. And there's only one truth. And one of them is that you are born free and I'm born free. And that's the starting point. And I think it's time to get back to basics and then start empowering each other, empowering the children. And if possible, remove your child from the school system and start speaking um, your mind and have compassion for the people who maybe got the jab and maybe they don't know what to do. I mean, as Gatto taught us, there's many great school teachers, but it's because of the paycheck and the salary that they're still participating in the system. And we've seen many um, teachers start their own schools, which I think is a beautiful thing to do, um, a lot better than trying to reform the system. And it's, uh, I think it's at the very beginning. So in my speech at the Greater Reset, I started off with, uh, I understand what Charles Dickens was saying when he said, it was the worst of times, it was the best of times. And I think that's kind of what we feel and what I see going on right now. You absolutely nailed it. And that's so true for me that the, the worst and the best are, are like just parallel tracks. And uh, it's, I, you know, I, I imagine this is the case for you, but it's pushed me to all kinds of edges that I might not have gone to now or maybe never felt the impetus to do it, to, you know, speak out about things. I was, I was on the QT before the pandemic hit. I was aware of things, but I wasn't yet really, you know, broadcasting by any means. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's go time. If there's ever a time to speak, it's now. Mm. And, uh, and there's a cost to that, right? You've experienced the cost of that standing up for your God-given rights. I, I love that your point to the creator, by the way, because you don't really have any rights to stand on without that element in your life, at least in my 
opinion. Then you're just pushing around statutes and, you know, the letter of the law, but you don't have the spirit of the law to hold on to, which is by far the, the more powerful element. And uh, so would you like to start by talking about, you know, when, when you got arrested? I know you actually shared a video with me. I had a chance to, to watch the actual arrest when that happens. It was, it was like, what are they doing? Stop that. I'm like, stop that. That's yeah. not doing anything. You feel comfortable yes. to tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, well, just so your audience knows, I'm announcing here on the King's Hero Journey with Fed Martins that I have filed a lawsuit against the county of Santa Cruz um, against, the, against the two officers who kidnapped me or unlawfully arrested me and against the postmaster. And that link should be here. I'm, I'm not sure if I put it here, but I can send it. And it's all on video. And I was kind of reluctant to do it, but um, I think you know, source or God or nature or my ancestors, something put me in this position to start seeking justice and to start thinking about the next generation because it's up to us and there's nobody come to save us. And we've been kept ignorant of the law, ignorant of our rights. So I am suing them in federal court. And um, if you want to support me, there's a link here, which I'll share. Uh, but the main thing is that people see there's a problem and I'm a peaceful guy, so violence is going to solve the problem. Uh, we can see the difference between Martin Luther King and Gandhi versus, let's say, Malcolm X or some of the other people that, I mean, you're righteous if you want to defend yourself violently against aggressors. But my research has shown that the state's power is violence. What they don't know how to deal with is peace, compassion, non-cooperation non-compliance, non, um, basically stop agreeing by your actions that you support what they're doing. And it can feel frightening to do it alone. But as we did there in Santa Cruz, we had 70 bonfires on the beach and they were illegal after 10 PM and you'd have adult beverages there. Well, we found out that that sign on the beach in Santa Cruz, was unlawful and they the state didn't get permission to put that up there uh look up teresa bukala and her great research that she identified uh, mike madeline beat his case um, he took it to trial in santa cruz and uh, beat that case for violating a posted order which was being on the beach past 10 p.m it turns out that according to the california coastal commission um, the government cannot block the waterways to the people so it's very interesting to see what's happening because there are a lot of things to read and learn um, research but if you're focused you can find some of these gold nuggets and that's uh, what Teresa and Mike dug up and so I think they actually are gonna be having a, a bonfire here this weekend and um, so if you're in Santa Cruz go check them out but uh, the main thing is that you got to know who you are and I love the king title the queen title and it's basically here's my kingdom right here my body and so this is why i always ask people who owns your body because if you own your body which i believe you you know you you do and i do then this is 100 percent ours given to us by our mother and father or creator then whatever we create from this body art labor etc justly acquired property that's our property 
And I think this is why the uh, World Economic Forum in 2016 said, uh, you'll own nothing, have no privacy and be happy. <laughs> so it's like, mm, I don't think I wanna participate in that world. So what I feel is that there's a bifurcating, bifurcation of humanity where people are gonna go to slavery and obedience, no matter what the politicians say. And there's a, the freedom people who are us, who believe in consent. We believe in voluntary relationships. And this is um, kind of the separating of humanity. It's very sad to see that uh, that's what's going on, but it's kind of like this whole pandemic the last three years didn't just happen. It was revealed in the past three years. And now we, we can see who believes in freedom of choice and who believes in coercion. So yes, I am uh, suing these um, bad actors who maybe they made a mistake. Maybe it was um, bad intention, but whatever the case is, they seized my person, seized my liberty. And uh, these are the highest things on earth is your freedom, is your body. And people are starting to see this, not just where I'm located, all around the world because of this thing called the internet. So it's really um, a really positive time, I think, to learn, to grow, to expand and find people like-minded who believe in freedom and equality and morality and peace versus complete obedience to what the politicians tell us we have to do when they don't even have authority to tell us to do that. So these people who were you know, arrested on the beach with me and some of the other places, they were completely unlawful. So there might be lawsuits there as well. And um, I try to stay out of the courts, but uh, some of my friends and supporters were very encouraging and um, rooting for me. I'm like, all right, well, the difference now is that I'm no longer on defense, now I'm on offense. And um, I think that's what we, we gotta do when it comes to the courts is know who we are, file the paperwork, put it under sworn affidavit and say, let's go. You know, what you guys did to me was unjust, it was unlawful, it was immoral. And you're the one who swore to um, protect, defend the constitution in the United States and California, not me, you guys did that, you know? So when they, when they make that oath, it puts them as one of my friends says, under the line, the line is the oath. You swear, so you're under, you have duties and obligations, whereas the free man, the free woman, we have unalienable rights, which as we stated, it comes from the creator. So um, this is uh, where we're at and um, we'll keep you updated how it goes. Um, so you can support me there in that link and we'll keep people updated with what's happening because we're, I think we're just getting started in the next uh, few years, the um, social credit score type stuff or the central digital currency. Uh, these are all canary in the coal mine moments, in my opinion, to really start speaking out and finding your tribe. Uh, they're going for the jugular, I think, of freedom and uh, they want to have perpetual slavery for the children. And I don't think they're going to win. I think um, you and I and the audience here, we are not just going to win. We are winning by exercising our freedom, by speaking up. All the little things that uh, seem to not make a difference, they actually make a great difference. And um, we're not outnumbered, but we've been out-organized. And now I think people are starting to organize and uh, find the people who believe like them and get together, have a meal and start talking openly and freely about what you really think, about what you really believe. And most people are good, but there are some of these predators who 
um, use deception and lies and propaganda to make people look bad and to you know ruin people's names and, and businesses and um, I think this, this is a bright time in history but we got to get through uh, the eye of the storm and uh, just like a, a mother that gives birth there's some birthing pains but the result is a new life and I think the result that we're going to have is a, is a new world is a new society a new culture and um, it's just happening right now so um, I'm very excited and uh, we'll see how everything goes very good. Yeah, that's, uh, wow. I uh, have pulled up that link, by the way, and I don't know if you want to show people the video or sure, just talk Carol. about it might be uh, one way to do it. Like, um, hmm. you know, what what happened that day? Did you have any sense yeah. that you were going to run into the police? Like, were you prepared for that in any way? Or was it just out of the blue? You'd look pretty surprised, I have to say. Out of the blue, because okay. here's the essence of what happened. I had to go deliver some paperwork where, you know, um, sending some law paperwork. I had to get it out. It's a Friday afternoon, I believe. And I go in there and, you know, when you're in the post office and the signs up there and I'm saying, okay, let's see what the sign says. Well, not only did the sign up on the wall say mask recommended, uh, there's a sign on the outside before you come in the sliding doors, kind of like in the sub area. So I have two photos of signs saying that mask are recommended. And, you know, God bless the lady at the cashier who says, um, sir, you got to have a mask on. And I said, uh, well, the sign says mask are recommended and you're telling me that they're required. So which one is it? And she says they're required. I said, all right, well, could I talk to the manager, please? And she comes, OK. And she goes behind the wall. One minute passes, two minute passes. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to go get my phone. On my phone is my medical exemption information. So I go out there, my friend's in the car, and I said, you might want to start recording. I just saw like some cops pull up here. So I don't know if they're here for me, um, but let's just document what happens, right? And that's what I recommend anybody out there. Anytime there's conflict, anytime there's police or government officials around, you want to start recording them, not because you have an agenda or intent, but because you don't know what's going to happen. And so what ends up happening, my friend starts recording, follows me into the post office. And within about 50 seconds, the officer arrests me. And some of the things he said is they don't want your business. And I say, nobody told me that. And can I talk to the manager? He even said this is private property inside of the post office. So um, and that's all on video. And sure enough, they arrest me and I stayed calm. Uh, again, this is a more hard, hard earned lessons. Anytime the cop grabs you, you don't pull away. You just give them yourself. Okay. This is all, this happened two years ago. So um, our natural instinct when someone grabs us is to defend ourselves, and we're allowed to do that. However, the courts are very sneaky and they could call that a resisting arrest or give you some new charges, et cetera. So they grab you, you just kind of let them have you. And ideally you're going to have some type of video recording going on. And, uh, they take me to the car. We ask them what they're doing. They're, they're arresting me for trespassing. And, um, I think one of the parts of the, the penal code is you have to be properly trespassed. You have to have the property owner or the steward on site ask you to leave. And, uh, there's some other things too, but I mean, that's the essence of it is, uh, the mask 
the, the signs that Masker recommended, I just asked them about that. And within a few minutes, they came and arrested me. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, and this was, again, a few years ago. So I wasn't quite sure what I'm going to do with it. There's a two-year statute of limitations. So I filed a lawsuit. And I um, served the defendants uh, last week. And so now they have a, a few weeks to respond. And uh, now we're going to begin the process and hopefully get some justice because you know, what I'm doing out here is not just for me, but to stand up so that other people can get some courage and um, so we can learn as well. And uh, we'll be doing um, like a training on this type of lawsuit in the future too. So um, everybody can start learning what do you do when your rights are violated by these people who swore to protect your rights. I mean, this is atrocious, you know? The uh, founding fathers or the people who did the Declaration of Independence, they sacrificed their fortune their uh, um, their lives, their their family peace for freedom. And I think we're in the evolution of freedom consciousness right now where we don't have to necessarily bring weapons and you know shoot people any longer. I think as um, I was just at the greater reset in Mexico, um, the strategy is exit and build. I think this is such a beautiful strategy. It's a more difficult one, I think. But I think the long-term benefit is going to be extremely rewarding and beneficial and encouraging and inspiring, not just for our generation, but for the next generation where we just want to be left alone. We just want to be free to live our lives and have a family and have a garden and you know, have relationships and do what we want, just not harm people or property. And that strategy has given me a lot of strength uh, when I heard it from Derek Bros and John Bush. I'm like, that's the way, that's the way. We saw, you know, the elections the last few years. And for me, it was Ron Paul in 2012, um, seeing his election um, be skewed and stolen in the media and not give him any time on the debates. And it's like, well, this is the uh, OBGYN doctor, delivered 4,000 babies. He held his oath to the Constitution. He gets most donations from the military. And you're not even going to give him two minutes, but you give the other guy 13 minutes. You know, it's just like this whole thing looks like to be a scam, looks like to be fraud. And that, and that is my conclusion. And that's what it is. They want us to put all this energy into getting somebody on the ballot and getting somebody elected. And then that guy is part of the club and he doesn't do what he said or promised that he was going to do. So, again, it's like, womp, womp, womp. You're all sad and depressed. Oh, what are we going to do? Nothing you can do. Um, but part of being a king and a queen, as your audience knows, is taking 100% responsibility for our lives. And this is where the homeschooling um, philosophy comes in or self-directed learning, unschooling, where we're telling this to our children earlier rather than later that this is your life. And, you know, everyone's needs matter in this house. And what do you do when um, the world doesn't respect your rights? You have to teach it to the next generation and say, you know what? They have been following or um, being kept ignorant of their rights because if you taught children about basic property ownership, self-ownership, morality in the school system, kids are very smart. And uh, the parents know that out there like, hey, you know, if it's not okay to force people to do something, then how can you force me to be in this school? You know, Mrs. Jones or, you know, Mr. Smith. And that's the contradictions that the state school system will not survive. Um, I think in the coming 10 years, maybe 15, 20, 
uh, hopefully sooner, but it might take that long to um, encourage parents and train parents, teach them the ways to remove your child and start teaching them about true morality, consistent morality, which is the non-aggression principle, which is you can do whatever you want, son or daughter, but you're not allowed to initiate harm on another person, their property, and you got to uphold your contracts. And that's so simple because that's what truth is. It's very simple. And the school systems don't even touch those subjects because it's the death of their system. And it's so funny. I, I was reading something today about three to five-year-olds. They did a study and I tweeted it at Freedom Principle on Twitter. And it was something to the effect that three to five-year-olds do have moral reasoning abilities. And that study goes over it. And so you can teach this to a three and five-year-old. And I love the story that Rosalind Ross told me, um, which is uh, she's voluntarist as I am, which we believe in voluntary relationships at all times. Um, you know, we don't uh, initiate anything, coercion, intimidation against anybody. It's all consensual. And she taught her son about self-ownership and he was five years old. And so they went to a family reunion and some family member was gonna you know, pick up a five-year-old. I said, hey, he's gonna pick him up. And the five-year-old slams his elbows down and says, hey, you need permission to pick me up. And the adult was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. And so he says, okay, um, is it okay if I pick you up? And the five-year-old says, no, thank you. And just runs off and has a great time playing. So he's five, you know, so they- That's so empowering for a child that they always get abducted that way, right? How many times were we attacked? And I really, I really flipped it. Now, when I go, even my son, he's 16. If, if I want to give him a hug, I will say, may I give you a hug? Mm. Right. Yes. That is, it's his choice. If he doesn't want to be hugged at that time. Right. It's, it's really different. You're asking permission mm. in a humble way. You're not just coming in like a truck and doing your thing to that child. So yeah, mm -hmm. just wanted to point that out. Yep. Um, no, I do that too. I saw somebody yeah. in the comments say the free hug guy. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm the free hug guy, you know? Um, <laughs> so we would do that out there in Santa Cruz with the signs, his free hugs. And then I started realizing that was one hour a, a week that we were doing that in Santa Cruz and mostly positive. And some people were freaking out because we're giving voluntary hugs in a public area on a consensual basis. Um, but now I just ask, like if I meet somebody, I'll ask them, you know, are you a hugger? Or is it okay? can I give you a hug, just like you said? And there is this certain energy of respect and boundaries where some people don't want to be hugged. So it's like, that's totally cool, you know, versus somebody just like oh, hugging um, without consent because consent is the issue that has been violated so much over the last three years and, you know, eight years with the whole forced jab agenda. So asking people is so basic. And I think that's where we got to get back to. And, you know, there's, you know, if you don't want to hug, no problem, you know, high five, handshake, whatever it is. Um, but to raise the energy and frequency for uh, peace and love, compassion, and overall general respect, I think is um, the way forward and how we can really start to um, attract more conscious beings to uh, what we're doing here. And it's, um, yeah, just a great point, the consent. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. That is a, that is a great point. You've made a lot of great points already. And uh, how would you define freedom, David? I'm always curious to hear that from people. Yes. I, I do believe it's very, it's very personal. You can't define it for someone else. How would, how would you define it? 
Yeah, I would say freedom is the personal authority to do whatever you want with your own body, whenever you want, as long as you're not harming another person or their property and you uphold your contract. Um, it all stems from self-ownership, which is like, this is my temple, like this is my gift from God. And I also like the, the definition that freedom is um, something which is absent of coercion. So kind of like the, the negative definition of what it's not, where we're allowed to do anything that we want. And we knew this, you know, some, you know, 200 years ago or so, because that's the, what the American dream is. But I think it's, it's bigger than the American dream. It is the human dream and is that we're allowed to do whatever we want and nobody has authority over us unless we consent. And if you read the Declaration of Independence, which as I was studying, I was like, I should read that document. I recommend you read Magna Carta, read the Mayflower Compact, read the, uh, um, the Virginia Declaration. Uh, but it says that the just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I never consented to your authority. Well, that makes two of us. So how did they get that authority? They don't have it. They are just a gang. As Murray Rothbard pointed out and Lysander Spooner pointed this out, wrote it in an amazingly epic essay called The Constitution of No Authority in 1870. Read that one. And that's, you know, you can download that for free at Mises.org, I believe, and listen to what was being said 150 years ago or what Rothbard said 50 years ago and Lou Wigbon Mises before him. Um, the, the cat's out of the bag. And that is government is illegitimate. It's just organized crime, as AT and De La Buetti Square you no know, taught me. It's intergenerational organized crime. And I'm just like, wow, that's a big word and that's a big phrase, but that's true because they are using coercion. They're robbing us. It's not taxation. It's robbery, or some people call it theft. Um, but the government is a terrorist organization, and that's why most people file their taxes because they're terrorized. So these are the conversations that. Uh, liberated me of like, wow, I'm not the only one. When I started attending in Arcapoco in 2015, I saw that event go from 120 people to 1,700 people, you know, in four or five years, because it is a worldwide awakening. It's not just in the U.S. People have access to the internet. They have access to your show and people like looking for solutions, you know? So then one of the questions I get also was, okay, what about the police or what about the roads or what about the police department or the fire department? I had these questions too. So sure enough, Rothbard wrote an amazing manifesto called For a New Liberty. And he goes over how a voluntary society would work. And I got my questions resolved by that book. I got to meet Dale Brown, the founder of Threat Management Center out of Detroit, Michigan, who has a totally private voluntary he doesn't call it a security force or security company. He calls it a threat prevention or threat management company where cops always show up after the violence has occurred. And sometimes they shoot the dog. Sometimes they swat the wrong house. I mean, this is a very um, terrorist organization. So he tries to create conditions that prevent threats from even occurring. And I think that's the, the winning strategy for the future. That's the philosophy is let's just set up things. And he has a, um, a lot of great philosophies, um, but he uses psychology and tactics and deterrence rather than trying to catch 
a criminal. He tries to intimidate and discourage criminals from even attacking the house, the neighborhood, um, the um, transportation trucks, which he is protecting. So there's a lot of different ways. And as soon as people let go of the idea of statism, which in my definition, statism is the belief that the state has legitimate authority over you without your consent, then you start to open up your mind and say, hmm, I wonder if we could do it. And it's like, yeah, how are we going to build the roads? People will build the roads. You know, how are we going to protect each other? People will protect each other. Dale taught me something great. He said, the number one desire people have in communities are security. So if we know there's a violent person or we know there's a thief or a robber, we all want to know who it is. Like, who is it? You know, let's identify them and let's get them out of here, whether, you know, digitally or physically or, you know, with contracts or paperwork, whatever. Um, but we don't want to be victims of this criminal or this thief. So we, it's actually in our um, mutual benefit to know what's going on in our neighborhood versus just depending on the monopoly organization called the cops. And let me just say, I have friends that are cops, you know, and the sheriff. So I'm not saying that everybody in there is, you know, a criminal or um, the school system. I have my mom's a retired public school teacher and I have family members that are working in the school as well. These are loving people. These are kind people. But this religion called statism is basically like a lens. And if you don't see that it's a lens, you just think, yeah, some people get to use coercion against some people and some people don't. It's like, well, if it's not okay for me to take your money by force, then where did the government get its ability to take money by force? And you say, well, well, the Constitution You say, well, did you agree to the Constitution? No, because <laughs> the Constitution is built on the Declaration of Independence. And as I said before, it comes from the consent of the governed. So there's all these little like pieces of the puzzle that eventually I got to put together and talking with other friends and meeting people and, you know, always on this constant search for truth and reality. And turns out we don't know what's going on here, you know. Um, I think it was Socrates and then you have Voltaire and you have Einstein. All of them have quotes alluding and saying that they don't know anything. They're so wise that they say they don't know anything because that's the truth. We don't even know how we got here. You know, the great mystery of life is like, well, we have theories and we have beliefs, but we don't really know for sure. You know, the fact that we're breathing and existing, we don't know how we got here, you know, but something really special about life that I'm starting to um, really understand and tap into, that's what we're doing here. We're figuring out what life is. We're figuring out what it is to be human and to have a full consciousness and expression and you know, live a life of meaning and of joy and express love and receive love and like all these beautiful things that seemed so kind of, you know, not important or of interest in the past. But now it's like, this is what it's about. This is the beautiful thing of life and freedom allows us to do those things. Um, but with the, the um, agenda that we're seeing now, we're like, oh, they're trying to lock that down and have almost like new um, like kingdoms of, of old, like monarchies where the dictator's in charge or little feudal systems, little feudal neighborhoods, the 15 minute neighborhood. It's like, oh my gosh, if the people accept that, that's what they get. So I think this is an opportunity to begin talking about these things. It's like, no, you're not going to lock me in a 15-minute little neighborhood, okay? You're not going to take away my cars and, and these kind of things. 
Um, but if you are isolated and you're by yourself, then it, you are overwhelmed. But when you start to find your friends, find uh, people who have similar beliefs as you and go to events, highly recommend you go to live events and, and realize there's a lot of people who see the criminality happening right now. And there's a lot of people working on the solutions, which is the whole point and uh, so inspiring and encouraging. Yeah, very good. Um, I'm curious about your experiences. You don't necessarily have to talk about it at length, but what you went through in jail after they took you away, like you know, you just walked in the post office to bring some documents innocently, had no idea that it was going to be an altercation like that. And uh, um, do you want to talk about your experience there at all? Yeah. I mean, they, they drive you off. They put you in the, in the, the garage out there and, um, and depending on the situation, you know, they'll try to force a mask on you or, you know, um, like, you know, like kind of strip search you or, you know, make you take off your sweatshirt or something. It's, it's basically complete humiliation, complete embarrassment. You know, you see in the video there, I'm in a post office and I'm being hauled out for what I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't harm anybody. I didn't trespass. I didn't. So it's like it's um, a lot of psychological PTSD, I would say that I experience and a lot of people also, you know, who've gone through that. Um, truthfully, I don't want anything to do with cops anymore. You know, I'm sure there's some good guys out there, as I stated, but um, they have too much power and you see this all around the country. So that's where I'm like, I don't ever want to go through that again, but how, how do we not stand up for what we believe in? Um, Martin Luther King got arrested 27 times. I think Gandhi got arrested 17 times and, so sometimes you, you got to sacrifice your liberty for a little bit, I guess, to um, to do what's right. I think that's what it really was about. Um, I was hoping they were going to call the manager out and be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, the, 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 the sign says recommended over there. So, okay, that was a misunderstanding. Sorry about that. You know, we didn't mean to call the cops. Um, but, yeah, they fingerprint you and you sit in there. Um, I think I had an appointment that day. Um, because unfortunately there are nice guys in the police department, um, who are just doing their job. Uh, but the police, I think if they continue to do this in some areas, I would say mainly in the urban areas, some people are going to hit their breaking point. And I think that's why they call it going postal, right? Like there's just so much disrespect. There's just so much violation and people snap and I don't want people to do that. Um, it's interesting just like what use the, the, interesting mm -hmm. use of the word going postal this given yeah. you're in the post office <laughs> it's made, a, <laughs> right. made a few people mad yeah, yeah exactly so I don't know if that comes from the employees of the post office or uh, customers of the post office but it's like the DMV as well you know so this is a monopoly organization the school system I mean the school system I don't know why parents are continually taking their children there other than they don't know what to do or they feel unqualified to homeschool. They uh, feel lacking in some certain areas. So I do a lot of work to help redefine what education is, what is homeschooling. And you find that when parents remove their child, that's the hardest part is to take their child out of the school system. There's, uh, I think, 5 million homeschool homeschoolers approximately now. Um, I think in the last two years, they lost a million students. And I think in the next year or two, there's going to be more millions of students leaving this. Uh, I don't call it a school, actually, 
when you don't have choice to attend, you don't have choice in what you study, you don't even have choice to urinate, defecate, use the bathroom, get a drink of water. It's a prison for children. It's a day prison. And I even call it slave labor because if slave labor is being forced to do labor against your will, then what is a forced school assignment? Yeah, it's, it's a pen and paper, but if you don't do it, you lose um, your freedom to, to have lunch or you have detention or you have um, uh, uh, suspension or, you know, like these lose recess. It's like, no, I'm allowed to go play. I'm allowed to use the bathroom. No other place in, in life where you have to get permission to go use the restroom. I mean, this is serious violation of human rights. Yeah, and it's even more of an insult because I would prefer to have them be doing productive work, not mm. exercises that are maybe going to apply to their life and probably not. But you know, if if it's if it's if it's slave slave unpaid labor, then get them growing gardens and you mm. know building some kind of infrastructure that's actually going to improve their lives so that they can see the way that their work contributes to the world around them. Right. Like that would be much, a uh, much greater teaching. But I, I totally get where you're coming from in terms of, you know, we're not, I don't think able to, sorry, I'm cat juggling even. I don't know what's going on <laughs> this guy here right now. Uh, you, you know, the, the, just teaching kids the value of work because otherwise they're, they're absolutely purposeless in that whole entire realm. Right. Like I, I've, I've told my son that, you know, I have no interest in home, getting you to do homework. If they can't put learning in, in a six hour day, then that, that's their chance. They only get you for six hours. That's it. <laughs> right. Mm. And it, it is his choice to go to school. So I'm mm. not, not opposing him for that, but he's effectively unschooled knowing that it is his choice. Mm. And if he tries to turn around and tell me how it's, uh, you know, they're putting upon him or it's where he, he complains about, it, it's like, oh, really? Because this is your choice right back to the mm. self-responsibility that you were talking about. If you're going to put yourself in those situations, then you're going to have to contend with what goes on there. Mm. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. It's awesome that you give them freedom of choice. You know, I don't know how old your um, son is, but um, they get it. Be 16. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a candidate to, to graduate, you know, but um, like the teens, we want to hang out with our peers. So that's how they get it. You know, if you don't homeschool in the first, let's say, um, you know, 13 years of life. And now they have a, now they got a peer group. Now it's like, yeah, school sucks, but my buddies are there. So I tell my clients, well, you can still graduate your teenager and they can still have friends because there's this like, if I graduate, I can't hang out with my friends. Like, no, you can still hang out with your friends, but you're not going to be forced to be there from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. doing arbitrary schoolwork. And it's just like, they don't even know this possibility exists because I didn't even know this possibility existed. Uh, some years ago, and then I had my education options expo and uh, got to meet and uh, record the speech of one of my mentors who was graduating thousands of teenagers over 25 years. And that was his philosophy, you know, is to get them out. It's um, not helping them what they're doing in here. We have these devices now, which are the biggest world changing technology I've ever seen, um, you know, along with the Internet. And now the question is, what is your dream? Now the question is, what do you want to do with your life? And or how do you want to spend your day? You know, if you enjoy sitting in the classroom and doing that, then keep doing that. But 
I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you said uh, you give him freedom of choice because now he knows, okay, it's my choice. I am choosing to go there. And uh, if I had the opportunity to graduate when I was 13 or 14 years old, I'd be like, where do I sign? I got to get out of here. Um, and then I found out uh, recently there's homeschool football teams online as well. So um, you can go play football still. You know, you know, homeschool football team and you don't have to go through the, the government monopoly school system to play sports. So there's always a way and just understand that children are suffering in these schools. They are full of poison, mental poison, physical poison. And I think now is the perfect time for parents to start thinking about it. And we're going to see a huge exit continually of the school system for the benefit of the children. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Uh, last year, was it just last year when they told us in Manitoba that a 12 year old could make their own choice about the, the jab, which mm. we'll call it jabs, if you don't mind, just for the sake of not getting censored here. Mm. Um, and uh, that was my line in the sand. Okay, they're coming for the children. They're putting an adult decision in a child's hands. This is wrong. I, I'm not going to go for this anymore. So we started sending notices to the, the school division, but all the way up the chain to everyone that, you know, all of their command is based on the command above them. And we went through a huge process. It was really frightening. You know, now, now I, looking back, it, it wasn't frightening. It was just something I'd never done before, taken any action in the legal world. And we got them into default. What does it mean? You know, any lawyer in Canada is going to say, this is of no force and effect whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is a good setup for a lawsuit. I'm not at that, you know, at this point, I don't actually have a crime. It's more like, you know, okay, try me, if, if, but you don't want the deed to be done. And, uh, but this year in the school, I'm, I'm, I was waiting for the shoe to drop, like they were going to come back with, you know, all kinds of mandates and controls and segregation, like they did the year before, nothing like just, mm. and I'm not saying that was only my doing or our doing, but every parent that expressed their, disgruntledness or their their dissatisfaction or their outright um, abhorrence of of how the children were being treated I believe put them in their place like unless they're trying to gear up for some but there's nothing absolutely nothing it's a choice the odd kid will apparently wear a mask and then most of them are not and there's zero talk about what they should put in their body or not put in their body I'm extremely grateful that I think I think they got that message personally mm. Yeah. Yeah. They've, uh, I think they have a, a, awakened the beast, meaning the sleeping giant of parents. And the sooner that parents get together and realize this, they're not going to let up, I think the better also. So it's difficult because when your child's in the school system, like that's your focus. And then when your child graduates or moves or homeschool or whatever, now you're like, I'm safe. And it's like, yes, that is excellent. And that is true and positive. And there's another generation of parents who are just having, you know, putting their six or seven year old in and they don't know what's going on because they haven't been paying attention. They're trying to, you know, just take care of the basic necessities. So there's this intergenerational component of it, but hopefully we'll, uh, you know, all do our parts as best we can and let parents know that, oh yeah, they're going to be teaching the RFID chip is good and convenient in these schools. I saw a cartoon. I got to track it down because I'll, I'll uh, share it online again, but, it was talking about the RFID chip and they're like, Oh, see how, see how helpful it is. No, you don't got to worry about any losing your money. And you know, you scan it like this and you could buy stuff and you don't got to wait in line. You just, you know, take the thing and it scans it. How easy and convenient. Yeah. 
and they're going to do what they did with the jab with celebrities and all these, you know, famous people. And they're like, yeah, if this guy supports it, then it must be good when they're just actors and they don't even know what it is. Um, so it's like this whole agenda, the jab is just one thing. And then of course it was the mask before that. And then the jab and now the, um, RFID chip or the digital ID or biometric, you know, giving your fingerprints away, giving your maybe iris scans of your eyes away, all these incremental uh, little breaches in freedom and liberty and privacy, they don't come all at once. They come slowly. And if you have flied recently um, on the airplane, you know, this has been 20 years since 9-11 and the the TSA started the body scan stuff. So 20 years. And every time I fly, I opt out and I let them violate me because I don't want to go through that, you know, body scan machine. And I used to be, and it still irritates me, you know, when they're all rubbing up on me, but when they rub me, they'll ask, you know, they get the rubber glove and they're like, okay, you know, is there any area that's sensitive or, um, yeah, sensitive on your body? And I say, yes. I said, my genitals are very sensitive. Please do your best to keep your hands off them. You know, and I'll say it with a straight face just to see if there's any humanity in these guys. And um, this last trip, it was um, very, I would say pretty successful. They kept their hands off me for the most part. But, you know, it's like I don't want people touching my genitals like for safety. It's just like how long is this going to go on? This is going to go on until we find the solutions, until we build our own airliners and maybe airports or some other way they, they they do the stuff in the airport because that's how they like, they know that's the bottleneck for travelers. That's the, the one place where it's like so expensive to have your own airport or so expensive to have your own airplanes. Um, but I think it was, who was it? The, I can't remember the name it was freedom travelers or something like that in the last few years who were doing it. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's amazing that they are doing kind of like tr uh, private charter, crowdfunding ish you know you share the seat price and you don't have to go through the whole tsa stuff uh, but this is what we need we need entrepreneurs and visionaries uh, who are probably teenagers right now who realize the the dire situation that we're in and we need to have our own like flying machines and um i'm just astounded by california governor and politicians they uh, passed something this last year which was by 2035, all cars are going to be electric. It's like, who are you guys, man? You're just going to tell everybody you got to plug your car in, and that's the only way you can transport your car. So, again, this is where non-cooperation, non-participation comes in and linking up with like-minded people uh, because they need you to participate. They need you to consent and to comply. If you don't, that's a big problem for them, and – as I said, they're outnumbered by a lot. They're, they're supremely outnumbered, but the psychological aspect enslaves us. And if you go to the root word of government, the root is gubernari mente, which is control of the mind. So slavery allegedly ended in you know the 1860s, but the IRS also started in the 1860s. And now the slavery is by our own um, volition that we're participating in these programs because we were taught that government's legitimate. You know, here we are pledging allegiance to the plat to the flag, to the republic for which it stands. When I think it would be wiser to pledge allegiance to honesty, to compassion, to truth, to freedom, 
to love, to joy, to peace. Like these are worthy of allegiance. But there I was in the first grade saying a word I didn't even know, giving my life force and my loyalty to something which I didn't even understand what it was. And I think a lot of you know children are in that same boat. So again, it's like a redefining of freedom, a redefining of success. And what is the purpose of schooling? Like, what are we doing? Uh, what are we allowing to occur in our community? And the way I define education is that education is what you do to yourself to create a good life. And this opens up a great question of what's a good life? It's like, yes, let's sit down. Let's talk about these things. To you, a good life is one way. To me, a good life is another way. And I use the definition from Gatto because he had been thinking about this and researching this for so long. And his definition, which I added to also, was that schooling is what somebody else does to you for their benefit. So you see that the state has their own incentive, their own agenda with your child. So what should your agenda be for your child? Well, how about happiness, health, freedom, joy, fulfillment, uh, trust, I think, has got to be the most important thing for mothers and fathers with their children right now. Uh, these children are being lied to at scale inside these schools. Again, not by you know, malicious teachers, but uh, of course, there are some in, in the school system. But um, it's, it's just at a crazy time where... You don't even know what education is. You don't even know what success is. And so you got to start defining these terms so that you actually have an idea of what we're talking about. Um, because as Gatto taught us, school or schooling is so far different than education. They're not even related. So somebody says, oh, I want to give my child a good education. Well, I don't believe you can give your child a good education. Your child has to give it to themselves. They say, well, how are they going to do that? They're only, you know, eight years old, 10 years old. Well, like Buckminster Fuller said, every child's a born genius. The challenge is they get de-geniused trying to please their teachers and please their parents. So it's not that you're giving them an education, but for like homeschooling, as I define homeschooling, is when a leader creates an atmosphere where personalized learning can occur. So I believe your job as a mother, father, homeschooling leader is to create that environment where they can self-direct themselves and pursue their interests and pursue their passions and curiosities. This is what an education is about. And then eventually, once they have their um, kind of a mature mind, they'll start to realize, oh, life is birth and childhood and you know, teenhood and adulthood and middle age and old age and death. This is the arc of a life. Where am I in this arc? You know, and they start to see where they are because we're not all going to live in this body forever. And the sooner you find what your uh, intention or purpose is on this planet, the better. And everybody's got their own purpose and nobody has the right to force you or your child to do anything. So these are some of the trainings that I give with parents because it is very nerve wracking to look at the um, the idea like, OK, the school's giving them education. Now it's my job to give them an education. What I think is that it's the parent's job to be a champion for unconditional love more than it is to be a teacher. Although you're kind of a teacher, but maybe consider yourself to be a learning partner or a, um, a guide in life, a counselor, 
something like that where you're beside each other rather than standing in the front of the, the house or the kitchen saying, okay, it's 10 a.m. for math and uh, 1 p.m. for language arts and, you know, chop, chop, let's get to it. Let's do some school where in my school, Valor Academy, we do early high school graduations. I have two concepts that I teach um, primarily to parents and to teens, and that is the world is the classroom. And anything or anybody you can learn from can be a teacher. So, yes, sometimes you are teacher, mom and dad. And sometimes the device is the teacher. Sometimes nature is the teacher. Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's meditation and it's spirit or source or, you know, whatever your beliefs are out there. Um, quiet time, listening to your inner voice and inner dialogue. All these things are teachers. And the most important thing is that you facilitate, or I should say, allow your child to retain that love of learning your child loves to loves to learn already how did we learn to walk and talk not with the curriculum not with compulsion or coercion or force but with encouragement with support with cheerleading you can do it hey you fell try again um even with redefining mistakes and failure you know we learned that failure is bad in school but it turns out if you study entrepreneurship and success, failure is the pathway forward. The faster you fail, the faster you learn. And that's that story with um, Edison about the light bulb that, you know, he wouldn't, he couldn't find the, the way to turn a, a electricity into an incandescent light bulb. He says, you know, I found 10,000 10, ways which didn't work which means on 10,000 ways to find the one way which would work. <laughs> so, um, but of course we learned through Edison, he's kind of a scrupulous businessman and Tesla was the real champion, you know, wanting to give free energy to everybody and you know, all the technology or many of the technology we have today is, uh, have came from Tesla's mind and he's an interesting guy to study. So some of these, these facts they've been keeping from us and through the internet and these types of conversations, we're able to learn about the real truth of invention, creativity, imagination, personal power. And it's like, all right, well, this is good. So anyway, so much stuff to say about parents and you know, helping them get their child out of the school system. Um, I have a, a Facebook group called Homeschool Leader you know, with a few thousand members in there you can learn. I have like uh, 20 different types of curriculum in there. So the answers have been found and you can find them in that group or you, know, you can hire me and such. But um, the main thing is that the world in the classroom, in my opinion. And then we're always learning. You can't turn learning off. And even now, you know, I'm a guest on your show. I'm really honored to be here. And I'm learning from you. You know, learn to see, we you know what you're up to. And um, hopefully the audience is getting some good information too. Mm -hmm, totally. Uh, on that note, actually, I did want to share something. You were talking about the word government and how that's, uh, you know, means mind control and, um, and then how we are in a position to consent, but tacitly consent, right? It's, you might not even know what's going on. You have no idea what you're agreeing to the contract that you might be part of in that way. And, uh, and, and I'm personally very committed to helping people to really unravel what it is because it, you can just tell people all day long, they're controlling you and it's about your mind. But if you don't have some actual path and means to, you know, let fears go and see who you really are and find your true basis for authority that is not anything that you think actually, or, or even what you know, that's, that's not the basis for it. your, your ability to 
author your own experience comes from a deeper place. And, and this is what personally I'm committed to helping people do. And uh, tomorrow coming up, just in case people don't know, on the 27th, Inside the House of Free Will, which is my ministry. I don't know if you're familiar with that, David. We didn't get a chance to talk very much in advance. But um, this is where I'm teaching people how to pick up the basic skills of deprogramming the B system that that seems like it's out there by all evidence. You know, you got the mm. chaos and you got the increasing police state and and that especially in Canada. Oh my gosh! But if you can get a handle on where are you hooked in the B system, and it doesn't mean the going to the school or going to the grocery store or getting a driver's license, that can all be related. But the, the real crux of it is in your own consciousness. And that's the place that choices get made, not purposefully, not like you said, we all, we all have a purpose. And to me, if we knew our purpose by letting go of all of that stuff that sits on top of it, we become uncontrollable because you don't answer to the B system anymore. You answer to God. And mm. even, you know, even, even that freedom would be doing whatever you want if you don't harm. Uh, in a way, that's not my experience. I'm not, I'm not doing whatever I want. I'm doing what God tells me to do, right? Okay, mm. God, what do you want from me now? <laughs> mm. Or, you know, what, what's, my, what's the calling here? What, what is the thing? I wouldn't be doing a whole lot of uh, anything. I would just lay on a beach in Mexico and enjoy the paradise <laughs> yeah. that, w- that we live on. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that, that if you did want to take part in that workshop, it is in the House of Free Will and you need to apply for it. So there's a, a link in the notes below. And then I, I'm curious, David, do you see a difference between homeschooling and unschooling? I do. So I talk about four phases of homeschooling because everybody's on their own journey. And phase one is school at home. And so I think many people conflate this with homeschooling. So I distinguish the two. Uh, School at home is where you try to replicate the school system at home, which is probably better than leaving them in the school system. Um, But you don't have to be the master of seven subjects and be on a rigid schedule. Okay, so I uh, recommend you go from phase one to phase two as soon as possible. Phase two is de-schooling. De-schooling is where you let the pressure of the forced schooling system, which is in the mind of your child, you let that release. Like a soda, you shake it up, you open up uh, the bottle, you have to let the pressure go. Your child's under a lot of pressure, which is superficial pressure. You know, you and your audience know that life is actually peaceful if I'm feeling peace, right? It's all about what my inner world is doing. But if I'm, oh, and I got to do this assignment, you know, you feel how much stress, even in college, you know, like, why am I stressed? Like, this is what is going on here. It was all a fake type of urgency. And that's de-schooling. The rule of thumb is that for every month, excuse me, every year, your child's in a forced learning environment. You want to give them a month of total freedom. That means to let them play video games, let them sleep, whatever they want to do so they can decompress and get back to who they are, connecting with themselves, their, their um, homeostasis. Um, and then you want to get through those two phases as soon as possible. And then schooling or homeschooling is when you create that peaceful environment where they can um, have personalized learning and then the apex of learning is self-directed learning or some people call it unschooling or natural learning or child-led learning or whatever they want to call it but at the self-directed learning level there's no coercion there's no what you you know you have to create anything for your child it's your child understands this is their life they understand they're responsible now they might ask you to drive them to the 
library or drive them to an event or something like that. So you help them, which you would do for anybody that you love or anybody who is dependent on you. And I do consider homeschooling and unschooling to be very similar in my definition because school at home is not homeschooling to me. Uh, homeschooling is just creating that atmosphere, you know, allow this atmosphere of no judgment or I should say no critical judgment, allowing mistakes, allowing, and you want to start studying success too. You know, um, there's a great clothing, clothing brand out there called Spanx. And I should say a big clothing, clothing brand. I don't know if it's great or not. They seem pretty good, but the founder, uh, Sarah uh, Blakely, I believe her name is, she has a great uh, clip that's on my education options uh, YouTube channel. And she says her father, every week when she was growing up, she would ask her, you know, what did you fail at this week? And she didn't catch it in the beginning. She would say, oh, I didn't fail at anything. And he would be like sad. And then he's like, oh, my dad's kind of sad. I didn't fail. And so she started to pick that up. And then next week, so uh, what did you fail at this week? And she's like, oh, I tried out the band and that was really terrible. Or I tried out the sports team and I was really terrible. He's like, high five. He's like, that's great. So she started to have a new relationship with failure because of the father. And of That's course, beautiful. the mother could have done it. Yeah, the grandfather could. Anybody could have done it. But this whole idea of failure is bad, we're breaking that right now. Homeschoolers break that. Unschoolers, self-direct learning, because the truth is that mistakes are a great teacher. And making errors and making, a, um, let's say, a, a cake, which doesn't taste that good. It's like, hmm, what was the recipe that I used? Let's, you know, modify the recipe. Life is like that. So this is the point is to have a new relationship with failure where you can fail at something or your project can explode or the code doesn't work or what a business doesn't work out, but that's not you. You are not your project. You are not the cake. You are not the thing. You are the life. You are the consciousness that created all this, which as I'm, you know, studying more lately and learn about Joseph Campbell and uh, some of the, you know, kind of transcendent thinking and thinkers that are out there, we find out that the whole universe is inside of us, right? This is kind of like some of the esoteric stuff, which is like, you know, as above, so below, or the, uh, the macrocosm is a, um, a, a greater view of the microcosm and, you know, all these different, like, we're all connected, you know? So it's like the ocean is so big, but if the ocean is big, let's say like God and we're like a creation of God. It's like we're a drop of the ocean. So we're still a part of the water. We're still H2O. We're just not all the vastness of it. So we can kind of see how we're connected to the creator, connected to all living things or all living beings. And it starts to elevate us to a bigger level of purpose and significance versus, you know, what um, Darwinians try to say that we came from nothing with no purpose and no design all by accident. And we're like, I don't think so. I think there's something more magical going on and I don't have all the answers, but the DNA is uh, very interesting to me and um, seems like some infinite intelligence, greater source of knowledge put that together and we're kind of experiencing that now in this life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. It's so good. It's such a big subject with uh, especially the next generation in mind. So I really appreciate that you've got your focus there. Um, 
was I going to ask you? I have such a big distraction. I don't mean to complain, but this poor guy, it's, it's the middle of our winter and uh, he doesn't know what to do with himself. It's like having a kid at home, right? But uh-huh. he, he doesn't learn. <laughs> That's the only problem. <laughs> and I'm a firm believer in that uh, children will learn when when they're ready, right? I have watched, I've watched my son as soon as he has... Uh, enough of an interest that gives him that motivation to dig in and, and learn a subject, then he will as soon as he's got an application that he cares about. So I have no um, angst about that, right? Like that the, the somehow I need to engineer the learning at every step of the way. And I, I really saw that if I have the opportunity to unschool, all I need is facilitators and mentors not, not a teacher at the front of the room replacing the school situation, telling him what to do and, and uh, how to be and all of that kind of thing. Just literally, oh, you're interested in that way? How, how can we research or find out an avenue for you to go deeper in, into that and, and learn that? I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is natural. I don't think there's any child alive that wouldn't take that on. And I'm curious, how do you, uh, I, I saw your, your website, how do you graduate children in what seems to be a very short period of time compared to the, say, the long drawn out, you know, three, four years in high school? Mm, Great question. So public schools have public requirements to graduate. Private schools, which I have, have uh, private requirements to graduate. And many pub or many private schools just replicate the state system. And so what my mentor taught me and what I do is um, I have uh, an essay that the teenager will write. I get a letter of recommendation, the enrollment form, and the tuition. And from there, I launch them into the world because um, a lot of times the, the diploma is just a, like a box to check. And um, if your child wants to go to college, you know, we can help them do that. Normally, they go to community college and then go to university or we help them with a portfolio. But as you see in life, what the company is looking for, what an employer is looking for is somebody to help their business. So ultimately is what can you do for my company? What skills do you have? What abilities do you have? And if you don't have any of those things, are you teachable? Are you a team player? Can you get on board versus are you an individualist all by yourself isolated? You know, and this is where communication comes in. Um, one of the most valuable skills is speaking, whether with your written word or uh, verbal uh, ability. So uh, part of the curriculum is called the presentation curriculum. And even teenagers can do this. But anytime your child or teen is very excited about something and they're just gushing with excitement, gushing with, you know, desire to tell you something, that's a gift. That inspiration, that passion is a superpower. So even if you're busy or you're cooking or you're, you know, you, you're occupied, take a time out for yourself and give them full attention and listen to them so that they can express what that is because passion is the language of success. And as they start to develop that language and you, you're the audience, right? You're the sounding board. They say, oh my gosh, my mom or my dad or my grandpa or my uncle, they're listening to me. I must be important. And you're like, yeah, you are important, man. Versus the school system where it's like, uh, can I, you know, answer the question? Nope. You know, can I go to the bathroom? Nope. Can I talk? Nope. So you're waiting and waiting and waiting. 
And um, oh, I know that's it's all waiting. It's yeah. all waiting. They learn to yeah. wait their turn, right? Yes. It, it's so useless. Yep. That's right. Waiting and waiting. And if the turn never comes, you're like, ah, oh, I guess the turn, the turn doesn't come. And the true success is no, it's my turn today. I woke up today. I'm alive today. It's my turn. Mm -hmm. And it's your turn too. So this is where the collaboration comes in. This is where the uh, consensual relationships, voluntarism comes in. You're like, I'm important and you're important and everybody's important here. So how do we get along? And it seems that if we all promise to not use coercion against each other, then everybody agree? No one's going to use coercion? Great. That's the starting point. And then, of course, in a company, um, you have a mission and you have some goals and, and how, you know, different uh, specialization or tasks and stuff like that. But we all have this kind of one goal or one vision or dream that we're going towards. And we don't learn this stuff, you know, in the school system. It's if you collaborate, it's cheating. So rather like, hey, I'm having trouble with this math problem. Can you help me? Hey, no cheating here. They teach you to be by yourself when in the real world, it's like you can just go ask somebody for help. And of course, with the, you know, the mm -hmm. smart devices, the Internet, now we can just, you know, ask anybody on the, on the Internet and find some type of answer. Um, but even teenagers, I think one of the challenges they're having isn't like too many options. Well, I say they're not lazy. They just have too many options. You know, like they're overwhelmed with information. They're overwhelmed as we are. I'm, I can barely um, understand like the internet of like, wow, like we have access to all this information, all this data, and we don't know what to do. So this is where, as um, you're saying, and I agree with, and it's so beautiful in some of the work that I've, you know, got some kind of like, forthcoming projects, but the inner work, you know, to, to find out what's going on inside of us and your child's very connected already. And, um, you know, the time they get to teenagers, sometimes they've lost that inner voice, but the young people, um, I think they came here for a reason. I think, you know, uh, kind of alluding back to the bigger picture of life. I think we came here for something, you know, and I, somebody says like, we voluntarily come here and then we forget our mission or we forget our purpose. And, Part of the, the life is to like remember that. And then once you find it now, you're like, I knew it, you know, and, and when you're in the groove, when you're on purpose, you're in alignment. Um, Paulo Coelho said, there's something that uh, I think God gave to us, which is called enthusiasm. He said, when you're enthusiastic, that is the indicator you should be doing that, you know, because it's like, it's like a gift from nature that you're excited, you're feeling it, you're in the, in the moment versus 12 years sitting in a, in, in a desk waiting and waiting. You're like, is this life? You know, like, no, that's not life. That's jail, man. So, you know, the sooner we can get the kids out, the teens out and let them like start asking the big questions, uh, the philosophical questions, the meaning questions, then they start to really have like, hmm, yeah, travel is also a great thing for young people to do um, and adults to do. You know, go visit other cultures, go visit other places, see how other people live. And you do see how fortunate we are to live in America and have this tradition of freedom. And we get to remember that freedom is pretty a, a new concept. So um, it's under attack. And we just keep talking about self-ownership, talk about the non-aggression principle, personal responsibility, consequences. And pretty soon you say, okay, 
I'm responsible and this is my life. And I start to see, oh, my mom and dad gave, you know, created me and gave, raised me and grandma and grandpa. And you start to see the cycle of this beautiful experience, which again, they don't touch in the public school because then you become a philosopher and you become a thinker and you, you start to have bigger questions and, you know, God bless these teachers, you know, but they're just doing their job, right? They're just administering the curriculum, even if it's terrible curriculum, even if it's, you know, violating all previous, you know, historical norms of what you teach children. It's like, hey, if you want to change it, you know, go up to Washington or go up to the Capitol. It's like, no, that's not how we change it. We're just going to remove our children or give them freedom of choice. Let them know they, they're free to go anytime and they don't have to be treated like a, a subhuman or um, like a like a dog, like a slave, like a, a prisoner when they are the hope of the family. They're the hope of the, 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 the human species. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I say that to people, you know, because I felt something growing up and, uh, you know, my family wasn't there yet. But I, when I see it now, I got to let people know, like, you're important and you're significant and you matter. And, you know, you have freedom of choice. You're free to stay. And you're free to go. And when you open up that door, like, hey, the door's open, so you, you can leave if you want. They want to stay. But when you shut the door, now, now they don't want to be here. So it's the <laughs> kind of a dichotomy of freedom and slavery. And you treat people good. You respect them. They want to stay. But if you say you have to be here, you have to do this, I think the stronger intuition and knowledge of truth inside of us is like, no, I'm being and the game is we might have a little connection problem i'm not sure if it's on my end or your end but uh i missed the very last part of your what you were saying there let's see here yes hello hello oh, looks, we... looks okay here well maybe the delay can you hear me okay yes i can now i can yeah okay might be my yes. connection not usually, okay. but yeah. Well, just, just that when you yeah. give somebody freedom of choice, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in an adult relationship, in a parent child relationship, the child has nowhere to go. They are mm -hmm. dependent on you for shelter and food, emotional support. They're the most vulnerable person on the earth. So you have the power mom and dad out there, like use the power with um, judiciousness or wisdom or discernment because, yeah, you can say, go to your room because I said so, or, you know, do this because I said so. Uh, but as I said earlier, that study that children can understand moral reasoning as, as young as three years old. And I wish I would have been reasoned with as a kid because I um, had, you know, these types of thoughts, like thinking for myself from a young age, as probably your audience is too. Like, we're the... Um, the rebels, which just means we don't want to be forced to do something. And we want to think for ourselves. We want to make our own decisions. And this is what the hard part is. It's like, okay, well, if I give my child freedom, they're going to make a bad decision. It's like, yeah, that's the whole point. They make a bad decision while they live under your roof before they go out into the adult world where you make a bad decision and turns into real trouble. So the, the, the more bad decisions they can make under your house, the better. And then you can speak with them about compassion and forgiveness and love and how, how their actions affect you. 
and if you let them know the most important things, I want a connection with your heart. You are my son, my daughter. I love you, and I'm. Uh, I want the best for you. And when you do this, I feel concerned. I feel afraid or worried. Become vulnerable with your child. Become vulnerable with people in your life, and you know, stop wearing the mask of you know everything's good all the time. When it's like, hey, I'm I'm feeling this certain way. And if you do it one-on-one, -on -one, then you can have that uh, kind of that bond and that trust where it's like you open up and all of a sudden the other person feels good and they want to open up to you as well because being a human is pretty challenging, I would say, these days and in all days, you know, depending on freedom or technology, you know, the agricultural society and the technological society. Like, man, we're just being bombarded with so many different challenges and opportunities and um beautiful moments and difficult moments, but we're not alone and we're not, uh, we're not, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, but I think we do. We, we, we would be wise to connect with ourselves and really tap into what we truly feel if we weren't afraid of being judged by other people. And that's where like the inner circle comes in and the family relations or loving relations where it's like, I'm going to expose myself. I don't feel, um, I can say this to everybody, but I'm saying this to you privately because I, feel safe with you. And I, I want to share this with you. And, and you start to have uh, compassion for each other and authenticity. And uh, one of the words I really uh, like to use is over communicate. And uh, there's a great quote that says, what can be misunderstood will be misunderstood. So it's my responsibility as the communicator to do my best to over communicate, to really make sure that I am expressing what I mean and to over express it so that you, you hear it and then to make sure that lands and then I feel heard and then I will do the same to you. I will listen. Listening is also a very important skill that um, when there's respect in the relationship as it, as it relates to young people and adults in general, um, we'll listen if we feel respected. But if we don't feel respected and then we go off and, you know, who knows what we'll do um, because like respect is like super basic because of the significance of this human life of how important it is. There is no tomorrow. There is no next year. It's now. Now is what we have. And I'm here with you now. And once we get that, it's like, okay, then this is a special meal. Every meal. This is a special moment. Every moment. And, um, you, you know, you can't, like, overwhelm yourself with all the, you know, like, significance of it. But, like, it's special to be alive. It's special to be here with you. And eventually that present moment consciousness comes in. You're live and in the moment. And then you're just full of passion and um, excitement and gratitude for life. And I think that's one of the, the key things in being an educated person. Very good. That's awesome. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, he's, he's got my number now. Well, I don't often get quite a, a workout, but uh, my apologies for that. <laughs> um, so I just have one more question and then um, I'll share your GoFundMe again for your case coming up. And uh, if, if you don't mind, well, maybe two questions. So one is, you know, what does the process look like then in your school? Are, you know, are, are you spending time with the child or is it more like online um, direction to the parents or how, how does it physically look when you're, when you're. Yeah. So everything's, yeah, everything's custom. And these are great questions. Thank you. Um, so one is early high school graduation. One is to enroll them that they're enrolled with me and you kind of have that umbrella of support um, for being enrolled in Valor Academy. And also there's another aspect of apprenticeships. 
So let's say, you know, 11 to 14 ish. Um, sometimes parents will hire me to um, help them find apprenticeships and that allows them to build their portfolio and really kind of custom what they're interested in. So as I mentioned, well, I gave some quotes from Gatto. Gatto, one of his other quotes I really love is an education should be as unique as your fingerprints. So if you look at your fingerprints, like I'm pretty unique. Yeah, you're all unique. Your child's unique. So, so your education should be customized to that. And in the beginning, the child's still working on their confidence. They're working on their thinking ability. They're working on their expression ability. So you want to allow opportunities for them to develop these different abilities. I mentioned the presentation curriculum. Um, another curriculum is called the question curriculum. And this is where the purpose is to help them develop good questions. As they say, um, if you ask a good question, you have half the answer already, right? And this kind of relates to the freedom world that we're in right now. Like people are asking the wrong questions, like who's going to be the next president? That's not the right question. The next question is what do you do with your life? How do you kind of safeguard yourself? What's going on? How do you build a community? How do you have support people around you? And so as your child begins to ask these good questions, they start to think themselves. This is a little side note here, um, but uh, when I was in Mexico, I spoke with, um, I got to hang out a little bit with Dale Bigtree, who also spoke at the Greater Reset. And in his presentation, and even in our talk, he said, from a young age, there's one thing my parents drilled into me, and that was question authority. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. So even in his age now, you know, he's got uh, children and a wife and, you know, a career and really doing great work out there. That's what remains is that question authority. So maybe that's something that you can, you know, invite with your children for the audience out there. He also said he started like, like meditating when he was like a young age, like three or four years old, you know, learning to sit with himself. I'm like, that's awesome. So that's how it works. So you can graduate with me. You can do an apprenticeship hire. You do get um, cons consultation hours with me as well with the uh, tuition. So I will get on the phone with you and kind of hear your situation and see what is the best recommendation that I can make because I want your son or daughter to become extremely successful. I want them to go on and do great things um, because that helps me. It's like, yeah, that's one of my students, but actually it's mom and dad who do the work. You know, I'll plant some seeds. I'll use some of my research um, that I've done in the last seven, eight years with voluntary schools, with curriculums, with apprenticeships, some of these things which I believe are the future of learning and I will give you my best, um, but it's the love, it's the support, it's the encouragement that mom and dads give their children because you know, like we're figuring out our identity at a young age. You know, we're trying to figure out who am I and what am I doing here? And you know, that's a bigger question. You might not have all the answers, but at least they can say, you know what, I'm a writer or you know, I'm a uh, a musician. There's a great clip. Um, I think it was on my education options channel. I'm trying to find it, but there was a, a three-year-old girl and she was, she went viral because she was dancing next to her mom. Her mom's like a professional dancer. And of course her mom's dancing, good music. So the three-year-old girl gets up and like copying the moves, right? She was pretty good. So she gets on the television show and Ellen, you know, being genuine and sincere, Ellen leans down. She says, um, when you grow up, 
do you want to be a dancer? She says, I am a dancer, <laughs> right? This is a three-year-old girl who's on uh, national television dancing. She's a dancer. What a dumb she question. Right. right. Like it's, yeah. And that's perpetuating the programming that it, there is always something out in front of you that you're going to be when you jump through the hoops, when you get the, the medals and the awards and the recognition, then you're going to be a dancer. It's like, yeah, come on. I, mm -hmm. I had an argument with my dad. He was saying how long, long time ago when I was a kid and he was, you know, saying how highfalutin the symphony and the ballet are. And I said, well, you know what? Back in the day, traditional societies, they did their own playing of instruments and they did their own dancing. And then you don't, you don't need, yeah. you know, this big organization yeah. to have it all be on stage, which is the most painful thing ever that you have to sit and be quiet while the, everybody, mm. the music is going on and the dancing. I, I, that never made sense to me. Right. Mm. Like why, why aren't we all doing this? This, this mm. Yeah. So I think you get it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. so much everything that you're sharing about your, uh, your work with children. I love that hope hope for the future you know you you are the hope for the family the future's family mm. and or the family's future and uh, if we circle back just to, to where we began with your case i just had one more question and yeah. i want to put your um your GoFundMe up again i'm going to grab that link for people so that they can see how to support you in this in this uh process and uh so i i just have to ask are you are you using a lawyer to go to court I have not hired an attorney. I do have some counsel support, meaning uh, people who have, you know, done these types of lawsuits before and um, some of them have won. So this is where the starting process is. And it's so interesting in California, it costs $400 to file a federal lawsuit. Um, this is a, a title of 42 lawsuit, 1983 is the code. Um, so I, I filed the paperwork. And then they give you all this other paperwork, right? And so you, I had to serve the defendants and they give you like a little how-to guide. So it's like these things that you wouldn't know because I don't know what I'm doing, but I have some support with me and they give you this guide. And so you got to go about it. So we'll see what the process looks like, but um, I do have some type of uh, lawful support counsel, not a traditional attorney. Um, but it might get there. It might get to the point where um, I do that and find the, the need to do that. Um, what they did to me is unacceptable. They violated me uh, very powerfully and on video. And they're doing that to a lot of people in that same county, in this state, in this country. And this is part of the, it's like a business model, you know. So if you get harmed, you do nothing, then you're the victim. And so, you know, with my supporters and some of the people out there, uh, we're going to go after the justice of, you know, being kidnapped, um, you know, for no lawful reason. And yeah, so that's that's the, the kind of the process. And we're learning, you know, this thing didn't just get here overnight. So it's a process. But what do you do? I think the most important thing is taking action and do something because we can't stay silent. We can't be in action they want you to um, feel defeated, and that's what Sun Tzu said. He said, the supreme art of war is to subdue your enemy without fighting him. Mm -hmm. And that's what so many people have done. They've given up, and that's so important to you know, reemphasize is that if you are hopeless, you have been defeated. If you're hopeful, you are winning. 
because it, it seems to be a spiritual battle that is going on. And I'm not talking about like um, maybe, I don't know, religious stuff. I'm talking about like energetically, like you know, inside of you, there is something great that wants to express and be and and that's under attack. They're trying to enslave that spirit of complete expression and complete freedom under the, the guise of the jab or this, you know, crazy thing that's, you know, is a scare and everybody. Um, they're using media. And I think the, the famous guy said it correctly that the, whoever controls the media controls the mind of the people. Or they say that the media is the fourth branch of government. And uh, they've been demoralizing, dehumanizing people for a long time. And now we have independent voices, even if not, they're all voluntarist, which I believe is the future of humanity. Uh, at least they're pro-freedom of choice or constitutionalist or conservative or um, whatever, or liberal. It doesn't matter to me. If you believe in freedom of choice, you know, you're an ally. But um, if you're promoting coercion in the event of emergency, like you have no idea what is valuable in life and that is freedom and that is life and that is love and hopefully everybody will eventually get on board and uh for now it's uh, a few of us and it's more than a few there's lots i would say millions of people you know all the homeschoolers i would say somewhere on the the freedom spectrum um but the people that are aware like the health freedom stuff so many people are starting to stand up and be bold and speak up for their children and for humanity. And I think um, the good the good times are just getting going. Um, I, I would like to say something about the um, greater reset that I came back from Mexico. Just a, um, one quick thing uh, yeah, before we jump topics, but uh, and I and I think I will have to go soon. But uh, so yeah, um, I'm glad to hear you're not allowing a, a lawyer to represent you because you are severely disempowered that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm mm. glad that you're getting that kind of information. I have uh, a direct line on Dr. Frederick Graves jurisdictionary online course. If you have, uh, you know, if you're looking for education or if your people are already tapped in that that's perfect. But if anybody doesn't, uh, doesn't have that resource, you definitely are disempowered with a lawyer. It doesn't mean that you can't hire them to consult and, you know, they're going to know the ins and outs of certain things. But if you let them speak for you, you are um, in a, in a uh, bad situation. So I'm just posting mm. the link that uh, to a course called Jurisdictionary. A lot of people in my world are getting help with that. Um, we do have a law mm. guild in the House of Free Will and I host regular workshops. We've had Brett Fountain, who is the co-host of Rule of Law Radio and uh, Brendan Big Sib, who is very, very active and, and successful in the law world and the courts. Uh, we had Alphonse Fagiolo come on. I don't know if you know him. You should know mm -hmm. him if you don't know him. He did a three-hour workshop. It was only supposed to be a couple of hours, and he came and just gave the goods. All of those recordings are available, and uh, and then I, I posted the, the course link there for anyone that wants to know. And what mm -hmm. would you like to share at last about the Greater Reset? Yeah, well, the Greater Reset um, just concluded, and it was really amazing. Um, Derek Bros and John Bush, they did a simultaneous event. So one was in Mexico, one was in Texas, and they had live events in each of those locations, and they, they streamed it for free. But I mentioned earlier the strategy of exit and build. It was a solutions-based conversation. And what's so exciting when you're around solution-minded people, there's a different energy versus the complaining mindset, the woe is me, what can we do? And it was about independent food, independent water, um, the energy conversation, community, how to be with other people. And 
it's just so uplifting to be in these types of, of places. So I just wanted to, you know, send an invitation to the next event that's coming up. Um, I think they got something in May, maybe next year. You got to take a look at it. But um, that there's a lot of people who realize that we got to leave their systems and build the world that we want to see. And I'm grateful to hear about this law workshop and things that you're doing um, because we got to learn. We got to learn. And it's overwhelming sometimes. But, you know, when you come back and meet each other, you know, hang out, give free hugs, high five have some food, break bread and be like, okay, what are you working on? What am I working on? How can we help each other? Um, it's just so um, empowering. And I just wanted to mention that I had a great time uh, there. And that's where I met a lot of my freedom friends over the last few years, um, seven years, you know, if we go back, you know, to the first Narcopoco, almost nine years actually. And I go to these events by myself sometimes, you know, and I meet new people and, uh, there is a some conscious artists there, musicians, um, you know, painters, technologists. Like it's just so much information. I think they're gonna you know stream or put those videos out for free so you can catch up. But the solutions are coming out now, and now it's just a matter of if you're gonna go get them. If I'm gonna go get them. Start to put them into action and go through the trial and error process, like making mistakes. Um, this last year, I grew some vegetables for the first time. I'm like, this is awesome. This is exciting. And some of my plants died. I'm like, this is difficult. You know, So uh, <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks, but uh, maybe for some people it is. Um, but there's just a lot of good things that are happening. And we are winning. We have power and strength inside of each other and inside of ourselves. Um, but don't let the conspiratainment as Derek Bros called it, you know, take away all your time and energy. Uh, but I invite you to consider start building that which you want to see and, um, you know, connect uh, with Beth and her stuff or me and my stuff and uh, start to, you know, find us because, you know, the, the many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're organizing for a peaceful world. And the children, you know, as long as these children understand they own themselves and they have freedom of choice, they're very empowered. And so, you know, this is the, I think one of the reasons I just wanted to mention that it was just like so awesome to come from this event and despite the media and like, oh my gosh, the, you know, all this crazy stuff on television, whatever. Okay. So what are we going to do about it? And who can we reach out to? Who can we learn from um, and start thinking about what are the answers to these questions? And there's a lot of people that are doing it. So I think that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. Very good. That's awesome. I shared the link one more time to your gifts and go there. Uh, what what are the funds going to go towards then? So if you're not hiring lawyers. Yes. So I have to do depositions. So I have to, um, or I say I get to go depose these people, ask them questions, ask them questions about what happened, um, questions about their knowledge of the law, uh, stenographers as well. So they, you know, have to, um, you know, create a transcript uh, travel or lodging or, you know, bringing in other uh, expert witnesses, uh, video recording, editing. Um, this is, I mean, just imagine what they're going to do next. You know, I was just, the sign says mask recommended and you arrested me for trespassing. Like that's not even a crime. You know, like uh, I had a friend who uh, saw some uh, robbery happening lately, you know, like there's people stealing stuff like that's a crime and the cops don't do anything. So mm -hmm. these are the things, you know, to depose, to take time, to write it down, video record, and some of the other filings and motions. And um, we have uh, 
kind of a template of paperwork to submit, um, but they don't want to pay out money. They're in the business of keeping money. They're in the business of taking our money and, you know, I'm going to go to trial unless they give me a good deal. You know, like I want the people to know that what they're doing is uh, terrible and it's atrocious. And what about like, you know, some of the families who have like family members killed or uh, these other things that are just really um, heinous and anti-human. Uh, we got to do something and the paperwork is, is one way to do that. So uh, yeah, you would be supporting these types of activities and uh, yeah, depending on, you know, the support, I'll share some of the paperwork. I'll share some of these things. And I mentioned there'll be a, a workshop that we'll be doing a free intro to how to file a federal lawsuit. And, you know, the, the audience, if you want to message me or, you know, you can you know, email me at um, info at thevaloracademy.com. You can send the uh, details there uh, or, or request that information when we do it. Um, we can't sit back and do nothing. We do got to get involved. And that requires learning, connecting. And, yeah, I have to pay these expenses one way or the other. And these are some of the, the ways I'm going to use the funds. And I promise to be a good steward of it. Um, but you can see all the videos and such, which we did the last few years. Um, we made a big difference. And uh, I mentioned some of my friends who found out that we're allowed to be on the beach. And they beat their case. They went to trial. And it's very positive. So I'll probably have uh, Mike on my show recently. And he might be someone to, to bring on your show. But um, it takes so much courage to like go against the beast and you know, I contacted him during his case and he was like, man, now I understand the stress that you're under because I had all these charges and they trumped up all these charges. And it's just like, I don't know if I'm going to jail for like, you know, six months or three years. Like, for what? Like, I didn't initiate any harm against anybody. And, you know, they'll, they'll ruin many people's lives doing these types of things and uh, not necessarily malicious prosecutors, I would say, but maybe. Um, but it's a, it's a system. It's, it's a conveyor belt that um, they will just take you and take your person and uh, do whatever they want with you. So it's important to have some support. And even in, during my case, um, I had evidence, an affidavit that they were putting my case on the stock market. I had a sworn affidavit and I said, Your Honor, we can't proceed. I found that there's fraud in the case. We have an affidavit that they've used my case number and my name. And there's fraud. I have it on video. And he says, we're not here to discuss that. We're setting your case for trial. <laughs> they don't care. I challenge jurisdiction. They don't care. And um, I don't know about the jurisdictionary course. I think it's a civil uh, training. I took it one time. Really good stuff. Um, but it's for civil stuff in general. But the criminal the case is like I'm on defense trying to defend myself. And so now we're doing the federal civil case, which is going on offense and kind of being the plaintiff in the matter. And then we're going to depose these people, which is public knowledge. Uh, these uh, depositions will be made public and we're going to let the, the community know what type of actors they have in their departments and what they're doing to peaceful people. And we're going to do it with honor and integrity. And um, this is, seems to be one of the, possible solutions. You know, um, I wish I didn't have to sue them. I wish they didn't do that to me. And I just feel a little bit of um, almost obligation to do what's right to kind of complete what we were doing down there. And there was good news. Also, I got to say the civil disobedience side, um, the public health officer 
This was in 2020 after we'd been doing civil disobedience on the beach. They closed the beach from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Nature, right? They, these guys believe they can close nature. Anyways, we were coming out there, started with 12 people and then to 20 people and 30 people. And they would come on the beach and we would take the, the live stream we, and they would say, you have to get off the beach. And we would say, is this your beach? You know, where do you get the authority to kick us off the beach? We kept doing that. Well, the public health officer ended up saying on video that we have to reopen up the beaches because the people are not willing to be governed anymore in that regard. And so there she was saying that if you're not willing to be governed and you organize a little bit and you kind of draw a line in the sand and you say, no, I'm willing to, you know, put myself at risk or of, of citation or, you know, arrest, whatever, um, they can't deal with that. And um, it was just a really... One of the positive aspects, there were so many other you know, really good things that happened. And that was one of the positive ones that they had to open up the beaches because the people were not going to comply any longer. And I hope Santa Cruz does that again. I hope wherever you're at watching this, that your community also doesn't comply with the social credit score, with the central banking, whatever it is. Um, we're dealing with very nefarious actors at the very top and they want total obedience, total compliance. So you have the power and I have the power and together we are the kings and the queens and we're all equal and nobody has the right to force us to do anything. They need our consent. And even if it's just a spiritual thing, you know, like the power is here and they want you to believe that they have the power when it's actually like, how am I participating in my own enslavement or how am I participating in this lockdown and really take a look in the mirror. That's what I started to do. And I said, man, I don't like how I'm participating. I don't like, you know, what I'm doing to contribute to the reduction of consciousness. I want to help increase consciousness, increase the vibration. And that's what we were doing, you know, as best that we could. We've been giving out free hugs. It's like, you know, we got to raise the consciousness somehow, raise the frequency. And uh, free hugs was just one of the things. And there's a bunch of different ways that we can do it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right. Uh, I can't resist one last question. I just like have about one minute now. And um, so are, is this a countersuit that you're that you're doing like in the midst of or have you been convicted and now and, and then that's your the way that you're coming back at them? No, nope. curious. No, you got no nope. the charges. Yeah, the criminal case. Um, I was uh, forced to take a plea, um, meaning I just I moved out of the area and I was over. It took me two years of my life and time and money and energy and stress and, you know, it's all these things. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get a fair shake. Um, they defamed me in the, in, the, in the media and made me seem to be a you know, really bad guy. And mm -hmm. even the cops were lying on the stand. I have sworn statements, complete false. Um, they said I was a self-proclaimed sovereign citizen. And I'm like, I've never said that once in my life. And I yeah. questioned him on that. So, um, no, this is so um, really hard to to defame you i when it, searching it i came up with tons of you know high profile podcasters that needed and then would, they would do multiple episodes on on your one little tiny incident yeah. right like it was so how could it get so much attention from from everybody it must be a threat yes. to to who they are uh, i have to say for the record that jurisdictionary can be used in criminal cases uh, across the board it doesn't matter whether you're in family law court or it's criminal or it's civil it's uh it's it's basically just court procedure teaching you how to 
how to do that. So I know people that are using it all over the world in, in a variety of different situations. So mm, just that's so you beautiful. Know. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, it is about the education. Absolutely. If, if you can't get educated, you don't know, you're going to just hand your life over to a lawyer and it's, uh, it's not going to go well because they don't care about you. They work for the judges, they work for the bar association. And I think there's somebody in between there and you last. So mm. <laughs> And yes. uh, yeah, the Bar Association is a private membership association. That's why they don't have to really follow what, uh, you know, the letter of the law is. They've got their own laws over there. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy for you that you're not locked into that situation. Let me know if you uh, lack for resources in the law world. There's there's a lot around me right now. Yes, no, I will. Support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll keep you in the loop. And yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Um, yeah, I did speak to uh, Dr. Graves and I learned a little bit okay. about his course and stuff. And okay. so, um, oh, did yeah, he say you can't do criminal law? He no, have said that. No, no, okay. no, okay. no, he didn't say that. I just, I, I read through it and it was like mostly for civil, but there are some uses in uh, the criminal stuff too. Um, but yeah, it looks like there's a lot of positive reviews and uh, I don't know if it's for federal purposes, um, but the, sure. the current, yeah, the current, current support group I have is uh, support me in this title 42 lawsuit. Um, but you know, we need those funds to get the depositions and to make sure it goes through. And like I said, I'll share the, the victory with the people in terms of paperwork or know-how mm -hmm. and we'll do the, do this training. So we got to know that they're, they're the servants. And if you know that, then now you have the, the psychological truth and advantage to do something about it versus, you know, begging for a crumb of freedom where it's like, I don't want a crumb of freedom. I want total freedom. And uh, mm -hmm. this is what the whole purpose of this country was about, was to be free. And now it's bigger than the country now. Now it's the world. The whole world wants to be free. We see how China has been reacting and um, some of the other places around the world. So um, you got to remember that you are the owner of your life. You are the owner of your justly acquired property. And the law resources are here, you know, as uh, you've mentioned, Beth, is that there's resources here now. It's like, how do we do it? Well, we learn. And um, on the plane, I saw the uh, documentary about Frederick Douglass and from 2020 or something. I can't remember. Anyways, it was called Five Speeches. And in there, it tells the story how he became a, how he was a slave and how he became the most famous um, African-American in the 19th century. And he said he was, uh, I think, seven or eight years old. He was like the house servant of a, a wealthy family. And she... The, the Christian lady was teaching him how to read. And all of a sudden the, the master came in and he says, what are you doing? He says, it's illegal for you to teach him how to read because once they learn how to read and think, then they become unsafe and unmanageable. And he said at that moment, he had a new consciousness revealed to himself and said, this is how you get free. And so from that moment, he started reading everything and started um, like searching and, and, and started to develop his mind. And then eventually he found the word abolitionist and he realized the abolitionists were up north and that's how he joined the thing. So I'm here to promote abolition of all coercion and we can see the great works of Lysander Spooner, Larkin Rose, Murray Rothbard. It's not okay for government to force you to do stuff. Um, you want to fulfill your contracts and obligations, but you're born free and we got to teach this to our children and exercise it with ourselves, help each other. And I think, um, you know, that's what we're doing. And that's, uh, you know, what the, I think your great show is about is helping people lean into their power, start to take responsibility 
start to wield it with discernment and wisdom and help us get free uh, one lawsuit at a time, one uh, meal at a time, one business at a time, whatever it is, but we got to start doing it. There's no one coming to save us. It's us. That's it. All right. Spoken like a true King hero. Thank you so much, David, for coming on today. I totally appreciate it. I knew we would uh, connect sooner or later. And yes. I wish you the best. Keep me posted. And I do encourage everyone to go and support David in his in his efforts to bring the law to uh, himself and the people for sure. So thank you so much. Uh, if anybody would like to connect with me, you can find me at uh, freewillministry.live. Also, bethmartins.com are the same. And you can find David at davidjamesrodriguez.com. All right, everyone, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Do join me for that workshop tomorrow, although you have to apply, so you have to do that right away. If you're interested to take part, <clears throat> then it, there's an application process, two steps. I have to send you an agreement. You have to read the agreement and accept the agreement, just so you know it's not a click of a button kind of a thing in the private. All right, everyone, God bless. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you again, David, for coming. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Okay, you're welcome. Bye for now.